It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, we're going to be taking another look back. This is our final look back of this week and do our What If series. I'm talking about one of the biggest what-ifs that could have ever happened for AM. This is a big what-if because of thanks to this person, when they transferred over to the SEC, the Aggies were considered an immediate threat and an immediate success in a conference that had been thriving for the past several years. And that's simple. What would have happened if Johnny Manziel never came to Texas A&M. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show. That is my Twitter handle. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Give me feedback. What do you like about the show? What do you hate about the show? What are some things you want changed about the show? Some type of format factor that we can add in. I'm more than happy to sit down, look at it, and try and fix it especially to give you guys a quality podcast. Also, make sure you're following us at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things related to the 12th man here on the Locked on Podcast Network. We try our best to get out at least three shows a week. Sometimes we're very lucky to get out four or five, but right now we're sticking with three. So make sure you tune in every single week at least three times for a brand new Locked on Aggies podcast that you can find at Locked on Aggies. Now, usually I start the show off with some updated information surrounding something going on with the coronavirus or something going around with former A&M players or what's going on around campus. This is a big subject, so we're just going to dive right into it. Johnny Manziel, perhaps the most infamous player to ever walk through the doors of the 12th man at Kyle Field, almost wasn't an Aggie. That was actually a very positive thing. That was very true, very well documented that... There were a lot of schools interested in Manziel's magic, and they want to see him join their roster. But the biggest school that a lot of people talk about that could have been a what-if, he never stayed in Texas, was Oregon. Back during his time in college, the summer of 2010, while he was still at Kerrville High School, right outside of Dallas, Manziel was a three-star dual-threat prospect who had committed to the University of Oregon. Back then, the Ducks ran an up-speed spread offense that allowed them to work a lot of passes, work a lot of different play factors under then-head coach Chip Kelly. And Manziel was the perfect complement to their playmaking ability. There's a lot of short dump passes, a lot of intermediate throws across the middle of the field, huddle up, get back to the line of scrimmage, get another playoff. Anything you ever know about Chip Kelly, that's how he's always ran his offense, was take a step, put your foot down on the gas, and don't let up. And that's what he was offered when he went to the Eagles when he made the jump from the collegiate to the NFL level. Manziel just was one of the biggest names at the time. And it wasn't because of he was this speedster quarterback or this, you know, big time player. He's only six foot. I mean, he's a small guy. He tacked on, I think, about 25 pounds his freshman year. So he came in about 190 when he came into College Station. He wasn't a big guy, but it was his vision, his coordination, and his ball skills that allowed him to make up for the lack of speed, uh, lack of arm, lack of size, and he was a magic to watch. He just was someone who a lot of people thought was going to be something special. And because of his size and that special factor, there were teams that actually offered him to play defensive back. 
there were more teams who were looking at him to play quarterback, but two teams come to mind as becoming a defensive back. First, of course, is Texas. Texas, according to multiple reports, offered Manziel a scholarship if he would transition to either safety or to cornerback. Gary Patterson at TCU has been stated that he offered him a contract. The rumor is he was going to be a two-way player. He was going to work with the offense and work with the defense in order to better his chances and make an impact for the Horned Frogs. He went to a camp in 2010 when then-quarterbacks coach Mark Helflick offered him a job, uh, offered him a spot in the Pac-10. At the same time, A&M had a couple quarterbacks on the roster. It went from Gerard Johnson to Ryan Tannehill to Matt Jokel and Jamil Flowers. Former A&M head coach Mike Sherman was uh, trying to bring that offense that he had with the Green Bay Packers down to College Station. He needed a different quarterback. He didn't know what he had. Johnson was about ready to leave for the NFL. The next big name was Ryan Tannehill. Offense coordinator Tom Rossley had been enamored with Manziel, and he actually took him on a visit to College Station. The Aggies came back on August 29th. He took two more official visits before officially verbally committing to A&M on September 20th of the 2010 year. So, after that, kind of the rest is a little bit of history. Ryan Tannehill won the starting job and became the Aggies' full-time starting quarterback. Manziel was redshirted. He would have a year just to sit and kind of learn with the other quarterbacks. He was expected to be a part of the long-term plan. So, he didn't play at all his freshman year. He just kind of sat and learned. Tannehill goes number eight overall to the Miami Dolphins in the 2012 NFL Draft. The same draft that featured RG3 and Andrew Luck. So of the top three quarterbacks selected, Tannehill is the only one left in the NFL. Guess go Ags for that one. But on the same time, they were also playing their final game in the Big 12. That year against Texas was the final game that they would play in the Big 12 before transitioning with Missouri, who was also in the Big 12, over to the SEC. That year, that first year, they bring in Kevin Sumlin. They let go of Mike Sherman. They know the plan isn't working. Sherman, um, Sumlin falls in love with Manziel, officially names him the starter, and you know the rest of the story. While the first game against Florida was a slow burn to welcoming them in the SEC, Manziel eventually became the face of college football that season. He led the Aggies to an 11-2 finish with a win over eventual national champions 29-24, Tusk number one Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and earn a top five finish nationally in the final polls in their first year in the SEC. That's unheard of. He was beyond belief. And, and let's be real. This is why we bring this up. Because Manziel was the offense that year. Kevin Sumlin and Cliff Kingsbury got very lucky that they had a guy who was ready to run an offense that Kingsbury instrumented that year before bringing it to Texas Tech. And they just they were fine. It worked. They finished 11-2. They got a win in the Cotton Bowl that year, if I'm not mistaken, against Oklahoma. And A&M finished top five in the polls. Manziel threw for over 3,000 yards. I think he scored over 50 total touchdowns between his legs and his arm. And he won the Heisman. First ever freshman to win the Heisman. Red shirt or not. Still, first ever freshman to win the Heisman Trophy. That's a standout number that's insane 
you know what happened next. A year later, he found himself leading the Aggies to a win in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. He finished his career with over 7,000 yards of offense in two seasons and then declared for the NFL draft. After that, we know what happened. Yeah, it was simple. He never panned out in the NFL. He bounced around from the Canadian Football League to the AAF, then was trying to go to the XFL. The XFL didn't want him. He kind of just said goodbye to football, and he's done. But again, people still talk about Johnny Manziel as the second coming in College Station because without Manziel, this could have started a whole trend of things. And we're going to be breaking down why Manziel was so important and what would have happened if he didn't come to College Station in just a quick moment. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked On Aggies. And much like you, I'm trying to stay in shape during this quarantine without going to the gym. But part of staying in shape is by having the right nutrients added to your body. And I think I've recently found something that really is not only great tasting, but great for me. And that's in Built Bars. Built Bars are more than just a tasty treat. They are a protein-packed power bar that keep you going throughout the days. And they come in 16 amazing flavors, all covered in 100% real chocolate. Plus, they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy because it helps you lose and maintain your weight while also having a delicious flavor added to your mouth. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, and high in protein. Let me give you my favorite example for the peanut butter brownie. It comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. 3 grams of sugar. You're not going to be able to find that anywhere else. Why don't you go ahead and try your favorite bar by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Remember, that promo code is LOCKEDON for $10 off BuiltBar.com. So go ahead and try your favorite Built Bar today. Not only will you be building muscle, you'll be building confidence in yourself to look better when it comes time for summer season. Giggum, y'all. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts by people who understand your favorite sport and your favorite team with inside analysis to help get you through your day? If so, why not listen to a Locked On podcast? We have over two dozen college sports shows, every team covered in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and up-to-date information to help you thrive this upcoming season in fantasy sports. So go on to Spotify, go on to iTunes, hit that subscribe button, or go to LockedOnPodcast.com and start listening to your favorite team's podcast every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast day, so why not listen to your favorite team today? We're talking what-ifs this week here on the Locked On Aggies podcast, and our biggest what-if right now, what if Johnny Manziel never came to College Station? Here's the thing. When both Missouri and Texas A&M joined the SEC from the Big 12, they were both viewed as little brother programs joining a juggernaut system. This was this was a conference that featured Florida, who had won a national title in the last five years. Alabama, who had won a national title, I think, four years before that. Auburn, who had won a national title two years before that. This was that team. They were dominating. They were always consistent in the BCS. LSU, consistent contender for a BCS title. Florida, the likes of Tim Tebow. Urban Meyer was still there. You also had Nick Saban with Alabama. All these teams were good. 
And neither squad was looked at to be a viable threat. And instead, in their first two years, both of them made an impact that said, hey, we may be new to the program, but we're ready to gear up. Because A&M finished second in the polls in the SEC West their first season with an 11-2 record, 10-2 regular season, plus their bowl victory over Oklahoma. And in 2013, the Auburn Tigers took on the likes of Missouri for the SEC title game in Gary Pinkle's second year in the SEC. So both of them made an impact. But I look at A&M, and you have to wonder, the reason I bring up the what-if is because of when you look at Johnny Manziel and what he was able to do in these games, he was the reason this team won. More than more than not. Take this, for instance. His second game in as a starter against Southern Methodist. He threw for 294 yards and scored a total of six touchdowns on the day, four passing, uh, two rushing, also... Averaged 9.5 yards per carry. You look at the Alabama game, which everyone loves to look at. And it's a good reason why. He threw for two touchdowns that game. He had a 77.4 completion rating, 253 total yards. He won that game. And, and you can literally break it up. Everyone wants to talk about this game because of it was probably one of his better games he ever played. The player I always remember, there was a batted down ball. He caught it. He threw it for a touchdown to Ryan Swoop. That's when Alabama fans, and I'm an Alabama alum, I was there that year. We knew right then and there, yeah, this is either going to be a bloodbath by A&M or we're barely going to win this game. And A&M barely won the game, but they won the game. And rightfully so by the way that they played. But you look at all these games that he played this that year. Outside of LSU, which was the team's only other loss that year, where he threw for 276 yards no touchdowns, and only had, and threw three interceptions. Every other game was won by him. And you can't argue that when you look at this, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we know that this is something that we're going to have to improve on. Nope. This was Manziel. And without Manziel, I don't think that they win Southern Methodist. So now they're 9-3. and three. They definitely do not win Alabama. They're now 8-4. and four. Do they beat Missouri, who finished 5-7 and seven that year? Maybe, maybe not. So now they're 7-5. They don't beat Auburn. Because he threw for 260 yards and scored a total of five touchdowns that game. Three with his legs. They certainly don't beat Auburn. So now this is about a 6-6, six 7-5 and six, seven and five team. They don't beat Arkansas probably in the AT&T Cotton Classic. I mean, I look at this. This is why you need a Manziel. So what if Manziel didn't come? Here's the biggest thing right now, right off the bat. Kevin Sumlin's career at AM automatically is questioned. In 2013, he got a $30 million extension signing because of what he was able to do. Mainly what Johnny was able to do. Without him there, do they have the same success with another quarterback? Probably not. And if they don't, you don't get that contract extension. So maybe when you look at what happened with Kenny Hill and you look at what happened with the Kyle Allen, Kyler Murray situation, maybe all this plays a factor in it because maybe someone's not there at that point. Maybe because if A&M was willing to bet on what someone did his first year in the SEC, that everything was going to be okay, just give him time to find his next Johnny Manziel, which he probably had in Kyler Murray and then things just went all ballistic because of the change at quarterback, the non-consistent offensive play, poor offensive weapons. I mean, you can add it all up. It doesn't really matter. 
you knew that he had his guy and he screwed that one up. And that was the final straw. But without Johnny, maybe he's gone in 2014. Maybe he's gone in 2016. Maybe he only lasts three or four years at A&M instead of the six years he was there. Also, Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury's offense was designed for guys like Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel. And we know that because of Cliff Kingsbury had a quarterback when he went to Arizona in Josh Rosen. Rosen was not going to be anything special, but he was going to be a middle-tier, probably consistent quarterback with a better offensive line, more quality weapons around him. He was going to be fine with that. Instead, they go out, they get the air raid offense, they ship him to Miami, they bring in Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray wins Ricky of the Year last year. The offense was designed for them. But without the likes of Johnny Manziel, let me ask, does Cliff Kingsbury get the job at Texas Tech? How long does he stay the offense coordinator at A&M before he finally gets his opportunity? It's definitely not at first. It's definitely not early. It's not anytime recent. So he's now messing with coaches. He goes to Oregon. Do they win the national title? Does Marcus Mariota keep the starting job? Marcus Mariota in 2014, that year, the first year of the college football playoff, won the Heisman Trophy and brought the Ducks to the national title game against Ohio State. Does Johnny Manziel do that in the playoff system? Does he take down Jameis Winston? Another guy who won the Heisman Trophy a year later? The second freshman to ever win the Heisman Trophy? Does Mariota transfer? With Mark Helflick now taking over, does Mariota transfer? Does the offense stay very similar to him and they end up going further? Does Mariota find a way to hold him off? Because he did throw 3,500 yards of offense and lead the Ducks to a 12-1 record that 2014 season. Uh, They also lost the Pac-12 North title, but eventually beat UCLA for the conference title and Wisconsin the Rose Bowl. Do they get that push to set them up with a title game in 2012 with Notre Dame? I mean, all these are questions that we don't know. But if let's say he went to Oregon. Is Marcus Mariota a Heisman? Is Johnny Manziel a Heisman? Also, is Oregon a contender that year? Either year that Manziel's there. Is he redshirted? And if he's not redshirted, does he stay all three years as a starter and has one of the most luxurious careers ever for a player? Those are all questions. But here's one thing I do know. Manziel was a product of what Cliff Kingsbury offense did. But without a guy in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, Kingsbury does not get the job at Texas Tech. The team probably does not get a 10-2 finish for the regular season in the SEC and just miss out by one game on going to the SEC title game their first year. They definitely do not have a contract extension waiting for Kevin Sumlin. And they probably go 7-5 their first year if Johnny Manziel does not come to College Station. Because that's just who Manziel was. He was a freak of nature who did everything for everyone. So again, what if Johnny Manziel did not go to College Station? Who would have been a quarterback that maybe could have came in and made an impact for the team around the same time? We'll be breaking those names down in just a quick moment. 
Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies for all your up-to-date information surrounding College Station, the home of the 12th man. We're talking what-ifs this week here on Locked on Aggies and the biggest what-if of all. What if Johnny Manziel never came to College Station? Simple. If Texas would have offered him to play quarterback, he likely would have gone to would have gone to Austin. That's a given. It's it's very well documented that he loved Texas. He wanted to play for Texas, but he wanted to play quarterback. You give him it, he probably goes. The offense will not be as good. He probably struggles and doesn't win the Heisman his first year, maybe even his second year, but maybe in his third year, if he can save Mac Brown's job, somehow gets enough to win the Heisman that year, maybe. Or maybe he turns him into a contender, Mac Brown never loses his job, and then they eventually just go from, instead of Charlie Strong to Tom Herman, they just go to a guy like Herman immediately after, because that's when Brown would have probably called it, two or three years after Manziel was gone. Instead, you know, we'll put it that he just goes to Oregon. So who are the guys that also could have came into College Station to compete with Manziel? There's two names that come to mind. Brett Hundley out of UCLA and Jacoby Brissett out of North Carolina State. Now, could either of them have been the starter their rookie year, their first year, just like Manziel? Absolutely. When you look at Sowers and Jokel, both of them transferred. They both would have been able to beat them out. Showers transferred to UTEP. Jokel transferred to TCU. Both these players are in the NFL still. They're both also backups, but they're in the NFL. When you look at the stat line for Brett Hundley, he was a three-year starter for UCLA, the Golden Bears, They finished with decent offensive play overall. He threw for 9,966 yards, uh, 75 touchdowns, and 25 interceptions. Those aren't bad numbers. They were never really a legitimate team when it comes to, you know, the the rankings. But he also rushed for 31 touchdowns. So, kind of like Johnny, brings something to it. And in Hundley's first year... Well, they went to the Pac-12 championship game to face number twelve, number 8, Stanford. They would lose that, and they would lose their bowl game, finishing 9-5 and five on the year. But the next two years, they finished in a top-20 team in the rankings. 10-3 and three finished both years of Hundley. Hundley overall, not a bad quarterback. Brissett, maybe his luck would have changed if he never went to Florida. He started at Florida in 2011, uh, then he transferred after the 2012 season, he would have had to sit for a year, so maybe he could have even been the bridge quarterback to bring competition with uh, Manziel. But he goes to North Carolina State. First year, he throws for 2,606 yards, 23 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Second year, 2,662 yards, 20 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. They also rush for a total of 9 touchdowns in 2 years with the Wolfpack. He gets drafted 3rd overall. He's also probably in College Station for two years, at least. So, maybe that could have helped someone a little bit. Both the quarterbacks definitely were better than what was on the roster. But I can tell you right now, Hunley, who was a fresh, who would have been a freshman that year, that first year with Mansell, I can tell you right now, he would have struggled. He would definitely have struggled. They would not get that win over Alabama with Hunley. They likely would have not gotten a win over Missouri. They would have definitely lost to the two teams they lost to, LSU and a Florida. So they're eight and four. Brissett, probably eight and four as well. The next year, AM goes eight and four. 
They go to the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Maybe that year they go 8-4 and four again with both of them. And then 2014 when Manziel's gone, both of them still there. They both drafted in the, uh, in the 2015 NFL Draft. They get one more season. Maybe they go 9-3. and three. Maybe that's it. But those were your two top guys. They chose UCLA and Florida at the time. And Brissett never panned out in the SEC, but he did okay in the ACC. Pac-12, the offense that was run by Kingsbury would have worked fabulously with Hundley. Hundley, of course, West Coast kind of guy, West Coast style of offense. Jim Mora, very well used to that style of offense. Would have made sense. And it probably would have worked for him. But they aren't the same team without Manziel. Meanwhile, Manziel playing up in Oregon, they probably at least compete for a chance at the national title game against either Alabama or Notre Dame that year. Maybe they don't go undefeated, but if one loss, maybe because of what Manziel was able to do in a Chip Kelly-led offense, maybe they just squeak by Alabama and get into that title game. Maybe not. Maybe at the same time, Alabama loses, doesn't lose at all, and now you have two undefeated teams in Notre Dame and in the Crimson Tide. So maybe that takes Oregon out. But if Johnny stays for the college football playoff one year, maybe that helps. And maybe he stays long enough for the team to beat out Ohio State, who was playing with Cardell Jones, the guy who came in for the last three games of the season, very Nick Foles-esque type. Came in for the big game against Michigan, came in for the Pac-12, uh, the Big Ten Championship, the playoff game against Alabama, the national title. He won all four. He technically didn't start the game. JT Bear started it against Michigan, but so he won all four and goes out of the sunset as one of the better quarterbacks to come from Ohio State. Maybe Manziel does the same thing out of Oregon. Oregon's had a lot of great quarterbacks in, the, in recent memory. There's a lot of players who make their name representing the O. And maybe all this also changes Manziel's future. Maybe also in a smaller town or where a town that is flashy with their uniforms, he wouldn't have been the biggest star like he was in College Station. Maybe that would have kept him out of the spotlight a little bit more. Maybe that would have kept him away from what was going on and kind of hurting him during the regular season. Kind of forcing him out. Kind of not making him a quality player. All those things add up. And all those things you see could play a major factor in a Johnny Manziel's progression. And he could go down as one of the biggest what-ifs ever. Because we know what he did in College Station really helped him and it solidified him as a first-round draft prospect when he was selected number 22 by the Cleveland Browns. But what if he goes somewhere else? Is Mel Kuyper right? Is he the number one overall pick? And how many players does he affect? More specifically, does Scott Woodward make it another year without Manziel there? Or is he fired? They bring in a new AD. And then because of that bond between him and Jimbo Fisher, does Fisher never come to College Station? All those things factor into when you look at what if Johnny Manziel didn't come to College Station. The Aggies could be a joke in the SEC without Manziel. Because he was also able to make College Station a fun place to go play for. He was able to help with the recruiting. He was able to help with people making their decisions. He was able to help with building up rosters. Manziel did a lot to help A&M start their career in the SEC. And without him, 
we could be looking at the Aggies as one of the worst teams, even more shameful than Vanderbilt or Tennessee on on most seasons, worse than Missouri is right now. They could just be consistently bad in a conference where they have been successfully great since joining in 2012. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And while you're at it, why not listen to Draft Dudes with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, both of them year-round coverage of the 2020, now 2021 NFL Draft and gearing you up for the NFL season. We'll be back on Monday to talk more Texas A&M, but until then, kick them y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.